Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to take a few moments today. We'll see how long those few moments last and talk to you about an RSVP into God's family. An RSVP into God's family. Today is family fun day. I don't know what type of family you grew up in. I grew up in a pretty good family, right? Some of you grew up in good families, some not so good families. Listen, every family has some element of dysfunction, right? Say amen and make me feel better about myself. All right, good. Thank you. Um, Every family has some element of dysfunction. But when you read through scripture, you will even see that not even God's family was perfect. Think about God's first creation, Adam and Eve, and how bad they messed up. Right? They had kids and their kids, one of them killed the other one. Now, that's dysfunction. Right? Makes you feel better about yours. Right? You think about throughout Scripture, Abraham and, the, the, and, and, and with, with what happened there. And, and where Abraham takes a concubine and, and produces a child God never intended them to have. And he creates all kinds of drama. How many of you are familiar with drama in your family? Some of y'all amen louder than others. And all throughout scripture, we see dysfunction. But one of the things I love about scripture is if I'm writing scripture, if I'm writing the Bible, the Bible by David Bodenware, I'm just going to talk about the good stuff. But God lays it all out there for us so that we understand that because we have issues and we have problems that we're like everybody else. But throughout scripture, what we see is everything God did in order to reach us from the Old Testament to the New Testament, because God is all about family and he wanted us to be a part of his family. That's what scripture is about, what one man did in order to have a family. And today, each and every one of us are invited into God's family. There is an RSVP with your name on it. All you have to do is respond to be in God's family. Because you are invited. Have you ever, have you ever been like home like on a Friday or Saturday night and you're scrolling through social media and all of a sudden you find all your friends are out together somewhere having a blast because everybody on social media is having a blast. Right? <laughs> And all of a sudden you realize, I didn't get invited. You've been there? I have. With some of you. (laughs) Y'all were having fun. I was by myself. Don't worry about it. It's all good. God's going to bring healing. I'm going to go through freedom. (laughs) But you didn't get invited. Because let's be honest, we all want to be invited, right? 
We all want to be invited. We all want to be included. We all want to feel welcomed and wanted. When I was younger, I worked at a church. It was a smaller church. And this church didn't have a whole lot of visitors that would come through. We're very blessed. Every single weekend, we have people that are here for the very first time. But this church didn't have many visitors that would come through. But every once in a while, they would put on a a large event. And that's when the outsiders, the visitors would show up. But this church prided themselves on their appearance before God. Their concept, I get the concept is, we only wear our very best in the presence of God. I I get it, I get it. But when people from outside, people who didn't have a relationship with God, would walk in not knowing what was expected of them, the people in the church would look down on them. Because those people didn't come prepared to be in the presence of God. And I remember at times... Hearing people say, you shouldn't come to church dressed like that. You shouldn't come wearing that. You should wear your very best because that's what God expects of you. And I understand the concept, but I want you to know that's not what we see in Scripture. And there were times when I would see people coming in. And, and, and they would get looked at and they would get looked down upon. And I would think to myself, they have to feel ashamed. They have to feel a sense of unworthiness or as if they're not wanted or not invited here. And maybe you felt that. Maybe you've been to a church before where you've walked in and felt like you were the oddball, like you didn't belong. Maybe you've been to a church where you walked in wanting something from God, but the people didn't make you feel very invited, very welcomed. Maybe that's happened here. God has an RSVP for every single one of us here today. Whether you've been coming to church for years or maybe this is your first time or maybe you came for Easter and then you came back expecting to hear Pastor Scott and you got me. (laughs) Maybe you didn't look the part that the church wanted you to look. Maybe you didn't fit in. If you've ever felt uninvited at a church before, There's something you need to know. That's about the church. That's not about our Savior. And I didn't say our Saviors. I said our Savior. Because one of the core fundamentals of the gospel, when you read through the gospels, when you read through scripture, is that Jesus invites the people others reject. Jesus invites the people that others reject. Jesus invites those that religion doesn't have time for and others overlook. And when you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you will see that Jesus went looking for those that felt like they weren't good enough. Think about your story. Oh, that's low. I'm not sitting there. I don't feel very welcomed in that store. 
If I knew how to raise it, I'd raise it, but I'll do that after. (laughs) Think about your story. Because the last place that people thought you would end up being on a Sunday morning is right here in church. The last thing that people expected from some of you, I was a good kid. People expected me to be in church. I mean, I, 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 I stole a pencil from Putt-Putt once. Other than that, I was a good kid. But some of you, think about your story. Think about who you were before you met Jesus. Think about what you look like. Think about what you were involved in. Think about who you ran around with. But you know what? Jesus, Jesus sought after you and sent his Holy Spirit for you before you even knew what he was doing. Because every one of us are invited into the family of God because Jesus invites the people that others reject. I want to take us to Luke chapter 7 this morning. But I want to give you some context. This is about 2,000 years ago. Jesus was in his early 30s and he claimed to be God in the flesh. People didn't know if he was believable or if he was crazy. What people assumed was if he's really God, then surely he'll be connected to the Pharisees who were the religious leaders of the day. The Pharisees were outwardly pious and visibly religious. They wore expensive robes with expensive tassels. They prayed long, eloquent prayers and they distanced themselves from sinners. And here in Luke chapter 7, there's a Pharisee by the name of Simon who threw a party at his house. Now, this wasn't a party that you and I would probably enjoy going to. It would be filled with other religious leaders who would literally try to one-up each other, telling stories about all of their great knowledge and about weighty religious things. It was really just an opportunity for them to show off. They would have a meal in the outer room of the house. The outer room would probably be connected to this large porch. The large porches where the commoners would come in to listen to the Pharisees or the religious leaders in order to get information from the people that were really connected, which were the Pharisees. The commoners would fill the porch and they would listen to the Pharisees talk about cultural trends and politics and theology. One of the guests at this party in Luke chapter 7 that we'll read is Jesus. But when word got out that Jesus was coming to the party, that he was invited by Simon to this party, an uninvited uninvited guest showed up as well. Have you ever thrown a party? And like you knew who you wanted there and then somebody else showed up. Right? That uncle who showed up already tipsy. We, We all have an uncle. Right? You, you knew who you wanted there, but then that other person showed up. Well, that's the story we're talking about here in Luke chapter 7. 
Because the uninvited guests did not fit with this religious crowd at all. And I'm sure she made them feel very uncomfortable. We pick up the story here in Luke chapter 7, verses 30, verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and, re- was re- and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. Let me just stop here. There's debate whether this woman was a prostitute or not. And who exactly this woman was. But many people believe that she was a prostitute. Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining, meaning Jesus, at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster alabaster flask of anointment. So the religious leaders are being piously religious and a potential call girl walks in. They had to be indignant. She was unclean. She was unwelcome. And she was certainly uninvited, not invited. Think about what it would have been to be her in this moment. Whether she was a prostitute or not, she was known in the town as a sinner. Walking in to a room full of religious leaders. To whatever degree she was a sinner, I'm sure she never dreamed of being that. She didn't as a little girl when everybody else was planning their future, plan to be a prostitute or a sinner. We don't know her story. We don't know what led her from innocence to where she is in that moment. I think one of the mistakes we make at times is that we tend to pass judgment before we ever hear their story. Because everyone has a story. If we just took time to listen, maybe then we would have mercy for people instead of pronouncing judgment. In this room... There are probably people who in one setting or another, because of one situation or another, you felt unclean, unworthy, or maybe even uninvited. I don't know your story, but I know we all have a story. We don't know her whole story and neither do we, do we know yours. What we do know is that Jesus invites the people others reject. Maybe for you it was a divorce. Maybe it was a bankruptcy. Maybe it was that pregnancy. Maybe it was a rape. Maybe it was an abusive situation. Just like her, you never thought you'd end up there, but there you were. Maybe here you are. So she walks into the Pharisee's party, goes straight to Jesus, because how many of you know sometimes those guests that we don't want, they also lack boundaries, right? 
So she didn't tiptoe around to check the temperature, to see the environment. She walked straight up to Jesus. She falls to her knees in a posture of worship and she doesn't even stop there. Look at verse 38. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the anointment. So she breaks open this jar of perfume and she pours it on Jesus' feet. This is so significant. Perfume at that time was so costly. It represented probably her greatest most valuable possession, and she may have had to trade something of value to even have it in her possession. At that time, perfume was very rare. Most couldn't even afford it. It was equivalent to a year's worth of wages. It was probably the bulk of her savings. The perfume represented her security and her future. A woman at that time would wear perfume to represent that she was available. But here she takes it and she uses it as a form of worship to worship Jesus. In one moment, one act, she both worships Jesus and figuratively this represents she repents and lets go of her old lifestyle. She literally takes something of value and pours it over Jesus' feet saying, this is my future, this is my security, but I can trust you with it. I can trust you with it. I will give Jesus the best that I have. And the Bible said she began to weep. Now here's what you need to know. Jewish women would never let their hair down in public. But here she is overcome with emotion. Oil is running over his feet and she lets down her hair and uses it to wipe his feet. Verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, listen to me, listen to this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner. There's two interesting things here. Number one, it says this. He said to himself, he didn't have the guts to say it out loud, right? Because let's be honest, we say a whole lot to ourselves, right? That we really don't want other people knowing, right? So he said it to himself and what he said was, this man cannot be the son of God. This cannot be who he says he is, because if he were, he would not be letting a sinner touch him. Listen to verse 39. Because remember, when you say it to yourself, Jesus hears. Golly, I hate that. Like, Jesus, just plug your ears for a little bit, right? But listen. So he says it to himself and listen, and Jesus answering said to him, in other words, I just heard what you said to yourself, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. 
You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. And therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Let me ask you a question. Why would this woman who was a sinner to whatever degree and known in the city as a sinner, why would she risk so much to get to the feet of Jesus? She must have felt some love from him at some point. At some point, she must have heard his message of grace. Maybe she saw him work a miracle or maybe she heard him preach. Something in him made her feel like she would find in him a safe place. Even her. But that's what we see throughout Scripture. When you go to Luke chapter, John chapter 4, you see the, the Samaritan woman at the well who, who says to Jesus, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you're right, but you've already had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your, own, not your husband. But then he gives her salvation and she takes it back to her village. She found something safe, something safe in Jesus to be able to even have a conversation with him. You go to Mark chapter 9 and a dad brings his, uh, his demon-possessed son and Jesus heals him. There was something there that allowed that father to feel like in Jesus he had a safe place. You go to Mark chapter 1 and you see Jesus heal the leper. Over and over and over again, you see Jesus People coming to Jesus because they felt like they were accepted by Jesus and Jesus responding and responding well, just like we see here in this story. There's a chance that since Jesus was in her town that day, he had preached earlier in the day and she had heard his sermon. What would she have heard that made her feel like she could come to Jesus? Listen. Here in Luke chapter 7, earlier in the passage, you can look at it on your own. You, you remember, you, you may remember that John the Baptist is at this time sitting in prison. John the Baptist had lived his whole life for one goal, one mission, and that was to proclaim that Jesus was the Messiah and that the Messiah was coming but now he ends up in prison and he's days away from being beheaded. And he begins to question everything. Have you ever been to that place where you started to question everything? And the Bible says this, that John the Baptist calls some of his disciples and says, go find Jesus and ask him this question. Are you the Messiah or should we look for someone else? You know what he's saying? He's got to be thinking to himself, if you're really the Messiah and I've given everything I have to serve you, why am I sitting in this prison? And maybe you felt the same thing. I've done everything I know to do, but here I am in a broken marriage. Here I am with 
kids who were wayward. Here I am with my finances are a mess. And where's Jesus now? Is he really who he says he is? And so we see in the earlier in the chapter, the disciples of John the Baptist come to Jesus to ask. John the Baptist wants to know, are you the Messiah or should we look for someone else? But it's interesting because if you go to Matthew chapter 11, what you'll see is the exact same story. You'll see the exact same story that Jesus is preaching there in Matthew 11. John the Baptist's disciples. In other words, what I'm trying to communicate to you is what we see in Matthew 11 is the same day that we see in Luke chapter 7. It's just recorded differently. And we see what she possibly heard Jesus preach. Listen, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, when he said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. You're invited. There's an RSVP with your name on it. Who's invited? Who's welcome? We're all invited, and we're all welcome in the family of God. Amen. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but I can just feel the love of God in this passage. Those whose lives are a mess and you're filled with guilt, come to me. Those who are burdened by shame, come to me. I will give you rest. Those who are tired, living in sin, but finding no fulfillment. Those who have felt uninvited, unworthy, and ashamed. Those who religion rejected. Those who didn't fit in. Those who didn't have the right clothes and were looked down on. Come to me when you don't know where else to turn. Come to me when you don't know who you can trust. Because you can always trust Jesus. Because in Jesus, you will find that safe place. Listen, Matthew eleven twenty nine. He continues to preach and he says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Would you put that picture of that yoke up there? You know what Jesus is saying? This was a yoke, right? It was used in plowing the fields and they would put two oxen Right. To keep them going in the same direction at the same place. And Jesus says, I don't know what you've been yoked to in the past. Right. You remember when he said, do not yoke yourself together with unbelievers. Y'all remember that? You know why? Because if you're a believer here today and you yoke yourself in with an unbeliever, you're going two different directions at two different paces. And you're, you're going to end up in some trouble and worn out. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, yoke yourself together with me. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. People think it's hard to serve Jesus. Can I just tell you? Some of you could tell stories of being yoked together with sin and how costly it was. How much it cost you. How many years. How much money. How many, how, many, how many rehabs, what, how many marriages, whatever it is, 
Jesus is saying this. Listen, take my yoke upon me. I'm gentle and I am humble in heart. You're invited into my family. There's a very interesting, a few interesting thoughts about this story in Luke chapter 7. that I just want to point out to you because I want to go back to sometimes we're quick to pronounce judgment without ever hearing somebody's story. Right? Because sometimes we're quick to want to preach a sermon when what they really need is some love. Right? What we really want to do is make sure they know how wrong they are, how lost they are, and how much, they're, how much sin they're involved in. Pointing out this woman's sin didn't lead her out of a lifestyle of sin. Judging her lifestyle didn't change her lifestyle. And shaming her didn't set her free from her shameful past. You know what changed her? An invitation to simply experience Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because Mark chapter 2 says this, Jesus said, I came not for the righteous, I came for the sinners. Not for those who think they're righteous, but those who understand their need for me. Listen, he didn't come for the self-righteous. He came for the hurting, the broken, repentant sinners. To know firsthand his grace, his goodness, his love, and his freedom. Maybe you've doubted God. Maybe you've questioned God. Maybe you feel like you've been hurt by God. Can I just tell you, you're still invited. There's still an RSVP with your name on it. Maybe you tried to walk away from God. You failed God, but you're still invited. Maybe you filed bankruptcy. You considered suicide or attempted suicide. Maybe you've cursed God or you committed adultery. You are still invited because the invitation is for each and every one of us. Jesus told us another story just to make sure we understood the heart of God. Listen to this. It's Luke chapter 14. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became angry and said to his servants, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. At this time in history, if you were blind or crippled or lame, people assumed that you had done something really bad enough to deserve your handicap, your disability. And Jesus is saying, those that everyone else rejects are still invited to my family. 1992. There was a man by the name of Tony Campolo. Some of you may have heard of him. He was a pastor. He was a sociologist. He was a college professor. 
And in 1992, he wrote a book called The Kingdom of God is a Party. And he, he begins the book with a story that happened to him years earlier. It's a story I've never forgotten. Maybe some of you have heard it. Tony Campolo, who is from New Jersey, had a speaking engagement in Honolulu. So he flies to Honolulu and with the time change at three o'clock in the morning, he finds himself wide awake and hungry. I've been there. Not to Honolulu, just wide awake and hungry at three o'clock in the morning. And so he gets up out of his hotel room and he goes to try to find something to eat. And he finds this little greasy spoon diner and there's nobody in there. And there's these stools all across the, the, the counter there. And there's this chubby owner guy who owns the diner. And he walks up and Tony says, hey, give me a cup of coffee and a donut. And Tony says, it was so dirty in there. I'm sure I ate a dirty donut, but I was really hungry. And he said, I'm sitting there in Honolulu. I don't know a soul. And all of a sudden, around 3.30, the doors open and the place fills up with prostitutes. And he said, I'm thinking to myself, I'm a pastor. I'm here to preach at a church conference. And I'm sitting in a diner at 3.30 in the morning with a bunch of prostitutes. He said, as I sat there and ate my donut, I began to listen to them. And the prostitute on my left looked past me to the prostitute on my right. And she said, tomorrow is my birthday. I'm going to be 39 years old. And the prostitute to the right of Tony said, who cares? What do you want us to do? Throw you a party? And she says this. I'll be 39 tomorrow. I've never had a birthday party. Why would I expect one now? And Tony said, in that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit put his finger on me as if I was really not there for a church conference. I was there for a prostitute. And he said, after they left, I went to the owner of the cafe and I asked him, I said, you know that girl that was sitting next to me? She goes, oh, he said, oh, yeah, that's Agnes. And immediately the owner's wife came out from the kitchen. He, she said this, she said, I know what they do for a living. But that Agnes, she's something special. She's not like the other ones. And Tony said, hey, I have a plan. She just said that tomorrow is her birthday. What if I go get some decorations tomorrow and I show up around three o'clock and, and I'll pick up a cake and the guy goes, oh, no, 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 the cake, that's my job. He said, you just do the decorations. I'll bake the cake and Sure enough, the next morning, three o'clock, Tony Campolo, the preacher, the pastor, gets there with balloons and, 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 and ribbons and he decorates the place. And sure enough, word had gotten around town that they were throwing a party for Agnes. And at 3.30, there were twice as many prostitutes there as the night before. And he said, as soon as Agnes walked in, we all started singing happy birthday to you. And he said, Agnes was stunned. And then we brought out the cake. And he said, when we brought out the cake, Agnes just began to cry. And, and we're waiting for her to blow out the candles, but she's just crying. And then the guy behind the counter says, Agnes, just blow out the candles. 
And she blows out the candles and somebody says, Agnes, cut the cake. And she didn't cut the cake. And she looked at Tony Campolo and she said, is there any chance my mom lives two doors down that I could just go and show her that I have a birthday cake? And Tony said, sure. She said, I promise I'll be, I'll be right back and I'll bring the cake back with me. Tony Campolo says she walked out. He said, I'm standing there with all these prostitutes and I'm thinking to myself, what do I do now? But he said, I'm a pastor. And so I said, let's pray. And he said, I began to pray for Agnes. I began to pray for the girls in that room. I began to pray for each one of them. And I said, amen. And Agnes walked back in and we cut the cake and everybody ate cake. And it was a great, great day. And then the owner of the diner walked up to me. He said, you didn't tell me you were a preacher. He said, what kind of preacher are you? What kind of church do you go to? And he said, it was one of those moments when you just have the right words at the right time. And he said, I go to a church that throws birthday parties for hookers at 3.30 in the morning. And the guy looked back and said, no, you don't. There's no church like that. If there was, I'd go to it. I don't know your story. Tony didn't know Agnes's story. But I know this. Every one of us are invited into the family of God. Every one of us are invited to experience the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus. You know why? Because there's still room at the cross for me and for you. And can I just tell you, whether you're rich or poor, whether you come from a terrible life or a great life, it's all equal at the cross. It's all equal at the foot of the cross. We all come to Jesus the same way. Today, I want to invite you into the family. It's April. Before long, you're going to start getting these envelopes in the mail for graduation invitations, right? They really don't want you there. They just want your money. Let's be honest. I don't expect you to show up. Just send the check. You're, you're going to start getting wedding invitations, right? And there, there's going to be a little card inside, and it's going to have those four letters, RSVP. Repande. Go ahead. All you French people. Responde, si vous play. It means respond if you please. What they really are asking is this simple question. Y'all coming? Today there's an RSVP with your name on it. It was written by God and he simply wants to know this. I've got this place called heaven that I prepared for you before you even knew you needed me. Y'all coming? 
Do you want to spend eternity with a Savior who loves you beyond what you think you're worth? Today you can. Would you bow your heads? Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. I, I simply want to ask this question. Do you need a Savior today? Do you need to be a part of a family? Not just a church family, but a spiritual family. The family of God. Maybe you've always wondered what your value, your worth is. Maybe you've always wondered, am I really invited? You're invited so much that God sent his only son to die on a cross hoping that you would simply respond to the RSVP. That you would say, I want to be a part of that. John chapter 3, there's a religious leader named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus, the Bible says, at night. In other words, he didn't want anybody to know that he was meeting with Jesus and Jesus said this to him as a religious leader. You can't see the kingdom of God and you can't enter into the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. Jesus could have said anything in that moment. He could have said unless you're baptized, unless you give money to the church, unless you lead a perfect life. All he said was, In order to get to heaven, you've got to be born again. What does that mean? Well, my earthly birthday is February 17th, 1966. But my born again birthday was when I was seven years old and I I stood and I said yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. I've had good days and bad days, but I've never been the same since. And today... If you want to be a part of the family of God, if you want to respond to the RSVP, all you got to do is say yes. Can I just tell you, religion makes it very difficult to get to God, but God made it very easy to get to himself. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's how easy it is. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the son of God and he was raised from the dead, Whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And I want to give you that opportunity today. I'm about to count to three. And when I do, if you simply want to respond to God's RSVP, respond to God's offer for salvation, I just want you to lift your hand. Are you ready? One. Listen, don't worry about who's here and what this one thinks or that one thinks. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is this. God is here. He wants a relationship with you. And that's why you feel him tugging at your heart right now. Two, none of us know what tomorrow holds. Our responsibility is to make him savior today, to be prepared for whatever is in the future that we don't even know about. Are you ready? Three, lift your hands. Do you want to respond to that RSVP? Just lift your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep your, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. You can put your hands back down. I want to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Listen, the prayer doesn't save you. You're crying out from your heart. Your need for God is what saves you. It's the, the grace of God that saves you. 
I'm going to ask every believer in this room to pray in support of these today. Can we pray together? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe that you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank God today?